You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for Fansided and for Pro Football Weekly, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers, and you can find all of the podcast content at LockedOnPackers.com. We are in between practices, the non-mandatory mandatory OTAs and the actual mandatory minicamp for the Green Bay Packers. And we're going to get to a discussion about some X's and O's stuff, some scheme stuff with the running game. We haven't talked a lot about the Packers offense on that particular level. This offseason, we've been very focused on Jimmy Graham and the receivers and the return of Rodgers and the offensive line. Who's going to play right guard? What are they going to do if Brian Bulaga gets hurt? All these things. We're going to get into the running game and how that's going to look, how that could best look, along with an outstanding Aaron Jones, Aaron Rodgers anecdote that we'll get to a little bit later. I'm going to start, though, with the HaHa Clinton Dix saga because... We have more information now. Jason Wilde caught up with HaHa Clinton Dix at a charity golf outing, and and that's one of those cliches that I've, that I've always hated. But Jason, I think, very literally chased down HaHa Clinton Dix. In the story, it says there's a quote, and it is it is cited as being on his way to the range, which means Jason literally had to go over and and grab haha not physically grab him but go over this was not player availability so he actually had maybe maybe literally had to catch up with him had to run up and get him but but we've gotten far afield from the point of this <laughs> and basically Clinton Dix confirmed that the issue of not being at OTAs was a personal matter. That was what was reported. That was what Mike McCarthy said. That was what other sources around the team had said. And it is it is worth pointing out that that there hasn't been sometimes when a player is not at practice. Bill Belichick made some headlines a couple weeks ago when he when he basically brushed off the questions of Tom Brady not being at OTAs by saying, I want to talk about the players who are here. I'm very excited about the guys that are here to practice. And that's a Belichickian answer for sure. But in none of the answers that any of the Packers coaches or players, but specifically the coaches, gave about Clinton Dix not being at OTAs, there was no shade. There was no subtle, you know, we wish he'd be here. He's missing a lot. There was none of that. Joe Witt said he wasn't concerned. Mike McCarthy said that he had gone over the schedule with the veterans. And there was a personal matter that that HaHa was, was attending to. We don't know what that is. I don't expect us to know what that is. And that's fine. We don't need to know. It is not our business. As I said earlier in the week, we have to trust 
these professional athletes to handle their business. Clinton Dix confirmed to Jason Wildey that he will be at the mandatory camp next week. And that is an important change. It is true that Clinton Dix did not live up to his potential, his talent last season. I think a lot of that had to do with the failings of the scheme of Dom Capers. We went deep on why that will change in this scheme with this coach, Mike Pettin. But you have to get prepared. You have to be on the field with these guys. The the Pettin system, not even just the X's and O's, but just the ideology relies on communication and understanding. And if guys aren't communicating, then things can break down. And that's true in all defenses, but it, it, it is less true in some defenses just by virtue of the way that it's played, the way that it's schemed. But because of the disguises and because of things that can basically be changed on the fly, everyone has to be pulling on the, on the same end of the rope. And that's a cliche, but it's a cliche because it's true. And that's true of every position, but it's particularly true of the signal caller in the defensive backfield. Haha, Clinton Dix is going to be calling out the signals, and he's going to be leading that back end. He is, in terms of consecutive years on the team, the most senior member of this secondary. Tremont Williams, obviously the oldest player and the most experienced in the Mike Pettin scheme, but in terms of playing with the guys on this defense... No one in the secondary has done that longer than Clinton Dix. And that is crazy to say because he was drafted in 2014, but it's true. And so to have this level of clarity to understand, okay, not a contractual problem. He's going to be at, at, mini, at minicamp, mandatory practices. I still don't think there's anything wrong if he had said, well, and I, I don't know this to be true. But it's certainly possible that, that he did have a family issue. And it's certainly possible that if he had a contract and a long-term deal, that perhaps this personal issue would not be pressing enough to keep him out of practice. Again, I am not suggesting that is true. I am simply suggesting that if it were true, I think it is a reasonable position for Clinton Dix to take to say any issues that even a hint of I need to deal with, given the circumstances of his contract, he is smart to say, hey, listen, I'm not coming. Again, I don't know if that is true. But if it is true, it is a smart move by him. It is, it is a savvy move by him. And listen, again, these guys are, are players, but they are also people, and they have things that they need to deal with. And just because we don't know what it is doesn't mean it wasn't legitimate. The point that I am trying to make and rambling into making is that no matter what the personal issue is, and we don't need to know, you do not need to know, I respect the decision that he made. And I think on any level, even if if he had a contract, he wouldn't have stayed and he'd have been at practice. Any sort of personal thing where there's even a question of whether or not he should stay and deal with it, he should do that. And he should feel welcome to do that. And I think, I wish teams and and fans were more 
willing to allow players those sorts of, they're not even indulgences. I mean, that's just like basic human decency. If you called your boss and said, I have to tend to this thing, you would want your boss to be understanding and trust you as an adult to make the decision that you have to make. And I think too often we get bogged down in, well, they should just be playing no matter what. I mean, there are always, and this happens every summer with baseball, those guys play for 13 of the 12 months of the year, I swear to God. And yet any player whose wife has the audacity to have a child on the night or around an important game, that player must be ridiculed for missing that important game. What are we doing? It's ridiculous. And so I have all along said, I don't care what the reason is. I am fine with Clinton Dix not being at OTAs. And the fans who are mad about last year and mad at at him not playing up to his potential have been the ones that said, he needs to be there. This is ridiculous. Well, number one, you don't know. You don't know what he's dealing with. You don't know what he's going through. And number two, it doesn't matter because it's an optional camp. He doesn't have a contract. And so the right thing to do, even if he doesn't have a personal issue, is to not be there. Because I'm, if it were me, I'm not risking getting hurt over an optional camp when I still have mini camp and training camp and the preseason and all this time to get prepared and ready for the regular season. You will not catch me risking my livelihood and millions of dollars on an optional camp. He has been through the offseason program, been working out, been doing the things that are asked of him, and he's excited to play for Mike Patton. So why can't we give these players the benefit of the doubt? I think we should. I hope that you took my advice and did so because clearly everyone agrees that this was an acceptable absence, and I'm taking it a step further, and I'm saying it's what I would have done. Regardless of the circumstances, I wouldn't have been at OTAs if I were HaHa Clinton Dix. That's just the reality of the situation to me. You're listening to Locked On Packers on the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local daily sports podcast network. Be sure to catch up on everything around the NFL and while you can with the Warriors holding a 3-0 lead on the Cleveland Cavaliers, Locked On NBA. One of the criticisms that I've had of the Mike McCarthy running game is this hot hand theory. I think there is some validity to the idea that if you're a running back, you want to get in the flow of an offense and you want to get in the flow of the game and you want to take some hits and you want to wear a defense down. And it takes a little while to see how defenders are going to stop the run and attack you. You have to get in a feel for how linebackers are filling, how safeties are reacting, how they're defending personnel groupings. That that is all part of the game. And at their best, Green Bay with Eddie Lacy and James Starks had a tremendous one-two punch. But one of the problems that I had was McCarthy would ride one of those guys rather than put them in the best position to succeed. Rather than saying, We're going to use you guys in specific ways that fit your skills and not worry about this esoteric notion of playing in rhythm. Running backs are not quarterbacks. I think that is really the only position where such a thing as rhythm exists. 
at least in the way that we're talking about it in this case. And back in January or February, as part of the lead up to the Super Bowl, I wrote for Acme Packing Company and and Zach Cruz just wrote about it for Packers Wire, a very similar piece about the Patriots as the paragon of multiplicity and using guys in specific roles in specific ways. Remember, this is a coach who once had a running back run for 200 yards and then not get a snap the next game and eventually be cut. Rex Burkhead could be a huge part of the game plan one week and not the next week. And it's not that he didn't play well. It's that his skill set did not translate to the matchup in that particular week. And they don't care if Deion Lewis is in a rhythm, if they want to bring in Mike Gillisley at the goal line because he's a better big formational runner, then they do that. And that doesn't mean you have to be predictive by formation or by personnel, which is a bugaboo of Mike McCarthy. And I understand that. I totally understand that. If every time you bring a a specific player into the game and it telegraphs what you're going to do, that's really bad. And, And some coaches don't seem to care. You bring in a running back who can't pass protect, on third and long, you know he's not pass protecting. He's going out on a route. Or you bring in a big bowling ball of a running back and heavy personnel, they know it's either inside give or they're going play action. And you look at a team like the Eagles and you see the power back, LeGarrette Blunt. Very similar in terms of underrated speed, runs hard, doesn't run as physically as you'd think someone his size does, but can break off big chunks of yardage. Jamal Williams. And you look at J.J., dynamic back, pure runner, a little bit bigger body than Aaron Jones, but similar in ability. And then you have a smaller back. Now, obviously, Ty Montgomery's not small, but Corey Clement has some juice in the passing game, can do a little bit of everything for you. Very similar to Ty Montgomery. And they find ways formationally to be diverse with their personnel groupings, but also cater to the strengths of their players. And even if they're not, even if Jamal Williams is only in there to be a decoy on a passing route, he's useful as a decoy. You put Aaron Ripkowski out there or Eddie Lacy in the old days, he's not really useful as a decoy. And so what this Green Bay offense has to do is find a way to deploy their players in ways that fit their strengths. And I look at someone like Deion Lewis. Returns kicks, gets 10, 12 rushes a game, a couple targets. Not going to carry your offense He pretty much has a ceiling in terms of the number of carries you want him taking except in certain situations. That's what Ty Montgomery should be. And they need to find ways to use him and and exploit the mismatch that he creates every time he splits out wide because he has the most versatility of this running back room. Aaron Jones can be that player in terms of someone who can split out and run routes and be a factor in the passing game, but Green Bay hasn't given him that opportunity. And that could be as simple as he hasn't proven in practice that either he knows the routes or he can be counted on to do that. 
or maybe they haven't tried it. My hope is they have and they know what his skill set is because we saw it in college at Utah. He has the ability to make plays in the passing game. And I don't want them to forget about Jamal Williams. I think, if anything, it's interesting. When Bob McGinn was on the show in the fall, one of the things I asked him was, do you think the fact that Mike McCarthy was playing Ty Montgomery 98% of snaps when they had a running back in, or whatever the number was, it was a lot. It was something, it was the most in football. I asked him if he thought that that contributed to the injury. And he, he, he didn't quite agree with my premise, which is fine. He basically said, I just don't think Ty is cut out to be a running back because running backs are battered around their entire careers. And they build up this tolerance to pain and, and strength. And it's an iron sharpens iron type situation. Well, we don't know if that's true, but... He's been hurt a bunch already in his career. And it may be the case that if he can't stay healthy and or if Aaron Jones or Jamal Williams emerges as a legitimate number one back, that Ty Montgomery is on the move. If not in the preseason, then maybe at the trade deadline or maybe next offseason. But I think it says something about how this team views Montgomery on the pecking order of running backs how the team views his skill set, how they view him as a player, that going into an offseason where Jordy Nelson gets released and the Packers feel so strongly that the receiving core needs to be revamped that they go out and draft three receivers. And yet Ty Montgomery, a receiver by trade, stays in the running back room. That speaks volumes to how this team views Montgomery. And I think... One of, one of Montgomery's greatest strengths at Stanford was his ability to return kicks. And Green Bay has not been able to use him in that capacity because he has been too important to their offense at times. Well, Devontae Adams has emerged as a legit number one receiver. They bring in Jimmy Graham. They bring in Mercedes Lewis. Randall Cobb comes back healthy. They have this cadre of young receivers. And now they have a duo of young running backs a core that can certainly give you a type of thunder and lightning element to it. And so you don't, you don't worry about subjecting Montgomery to these extra hits because he's your, he's your best player at the position. So go let him do that. Put him, on, put him as a gunner on special teams. Let him be a special teams whiz. Deion Lewis does it. This is why I think the Deion Lewis comp is so apt, even though they're not the same size and they're not the same style player. They have very similar strengths when it comes to what they can bring to an offense. Even though I think Aaron Jones is the best pure runner, how valuable is that relative to what Ty Montgomery brings in the passing game when you have Aaron Rodgers? They don't need a great runner. They need a solid runner who provides you flexibility and versatility. We know all three of these guys can be dynamic. We've seen it. And, and I've been talking about Jamal Williams like he's some you know 240-pound goal line back, like he's Natron Means. That's not who he is. One of the biggest plays of the season, one of the best, longest, and most dynamic plays of the season was a screen pass to Jamal Williams against the Steelers. And so we know he can provide that kind of lift. 
the hot hand needs to die. It needs to be over. And what McCarthy and Joe Philbin need to focus on is putting these players in a position for them to succeed, for them to be in a position to maximize their talents and give to this offense in ways that make sense for their skills, not some vague notion of momentum. I don't care about the hot hand. I don't care if the if one of these backs rips off a 50-yard run. If the next play call is for a guy who requires a slightly different skill set and you have that guy on the bench, you bring that other running back in. Now, I like I, I, I what I don't like is a guy who has a great series, a running back, you know, one of those like five carry 54-yard type drives where the running back does all the work and then he's gassed at the goal line so you bring in someone else and that back scores the touchdown. It's like, I I think you should reward the player, but a team like the Patriots does not care. If Deion Lewis had an 80-yard run that got them down to the one-yard line and they had a play call that they wanted to run that they thought Mike Gillisley was the best running back to run it with, they would do that. And given the talent at running back, a position Green Bay has never been in, by the way, to choose their players rather than muddle through. They've never had an embarrassment of riches. They've never had a glut of talent at the position. They've always been trying to cobble something together. That is changed. And so Mike McCarthy and Joe Philbin need to change along with it. Before we move on, I want to remind you about our Pro Football Focus Edge subscription giveaway. Put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes, and you'll be entered to win a Pro Football Focus Edge subscription. That's a $39.99 value. Gets you access to player grades. The fantasy football heads are already talking about this Packers backfield that we just discussed. And if you want to know who is most likely to go off, PFF has that data. This is NFL team data. Every team has a relationship with Pro Football Focus now, so get the data the teams use by putting your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes, preferably with a five-star review. There was a great anecdote that Aaron Jones shared about Aaron Rodgers. And I, I, you know, I made a snarky tweet. I did a snarky thing. Those of you who have been listening to the show or know me know that that's not uncommon for me. The reason the reason I made light of the situation and made a joke is because Aaron Rodgers offered some words of encouragement to Aaron Jones that meant a lot to Jones. And I made a joke about Aaron not being a great leader. So there has been some criticisms of Rodgers as a leader in the locker room and his lack of accountability and what and whatever. I have pointed out on this show many times that those criticisms have only ever come from former receivers. No offensive linemen have ever said anything. No defensive players have ever said anything. Just guys who weren't getting as many passes as maybe they would have liked. Just putting it out there. But the story Aaron Jones tells that incited this snarky tweet. He tells the story. I'll let him tell it. My first game against Chicago, Jamal... And Ty went down, and I run into the huddle, and he's like, this is Aaron Rodgers, I want you to know I'm probably one of your biggest fans in this organization, so if you want to make a statement, now is your time. He told me that, and I was pretty pumped up. I mean, anytime a quarterback like that 
tells you something like that, it does a lot for your confidence. I think this just tells you a lot about these young players. I think Aaron Rodgers is entering a stage of his career a little bit older now, mid-30s. I think he understands the weight that his words carry. All right, we're going to have three shows next week. Mini camp opens up. And this is a mandatory practice. Like I said, HaHa Clinton Dix will be there. And this is when I think things really start to open up. This is when we get to know who is a real dude and who is not. If Jair Alexander is still making plays in minicamp, then I think we get to we get to start being excited. Aaron Rodgers very clearly excited. I mentioned it the other day. He sees the potential. He sees the swagger, and I think that is a critical piece for this for this defense. And the competition is going to be great. I, I love the idea of Mike Pettin going up against Aaron Rodgers in practice every day and, and Rodgers pushing Pettin and vice versa because I think Mike Pettin is going to take that challenge, and so is Rodgers. There was a great piece yesterday by Greg Rosenthal on NFL.com about uh, basically making a prediction that Rodgers was going to have an excellent 2018, a potential MVP season, Super Bowl-type season. And it, was, it wasn't much more than just a gut feeling along with some, hey, they've got some great pieces on defense coming back. And look at these young players that look really good. Devontae Adams, they brought up Jimmy Graham, et cetera, et cetera. David Bakhtiari made a great point that in terms of greatness to appreciation ratio, his is probably the best in the league, which is to say it's the worst because he is a great player and is not appreciated for it. But I think this is going to be a virtuoso Aaron Rodgers season. And we're going to have a lot more to talk about. He's going to get a contract soon, and we're going to talk about that. Remember, my Twitter handle, if you have questions you want to submit, please submit them to me at Peter underscore Bukowski. We're going to do a mailbag podcast in the next couple weeks, so send me those questions. You can send them to at Packers as well. I will I will hold off answering them on Twitter so that I can answer them on the podcast. Remember, at me, PackingCompany.com, Fansided.com, ProFootballWeekly.com, all there for you, and you know why, so you can stay locked on Packers.